there's more thinking now about how academic research could look and sound. Thinking through how to listen to the library has been how to also produce something that is still reading, but the reading is still engaging all the senses. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Fourth Space Podcast. Today's episode is a little special in the sense that we recorded this one in Fourth Space. John Latour and Catherine McLeod came into the space, socially distanced, but miked and in the same room to have uh, this discussion. So we're pretty happy to be able to do this. Hope you like this one. Catherine McLeod researches archives, sound, and poetry, and she's an affiliated researcher with the Shirk-funded partnership of Spoken Web. Most recently, as a researcher in residence at the Concordia Library, Catherine is working on listening to the library, a sensory-based investigation into the audiovisual collections of the library. And John Latour is the teaching and research librarian in fine arts, and is also a visual artist with an interest in artist books and the questions of open access. We invited Catherine to bring a selection of objects and sound recordings into the fourth space and try to make audible the sounds that are held within the Concordia Library collections, and simultaneously to engage in conversation with John about reading, or rather hearing, the library as somatic. We would like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Cuyunkahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather. And Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. Hi, Catherine. Hi, John. It's so great to speak with you here in Force Space. It's so nice to be speaking with you. I'll start perhaps with some introductions. My name is John Latour, and I'm the Teaching and Research Librarian for Fine Arts at Concordia University. And it's my great pleasure to speak with Catherine McLeod today, our library's researcher in residence for 2020-2021. Catherine, before we talk about the subject of your residency, can you say a few words about your experiences or interests that brought you here to this current project? Yes. So my research is on poetry, performance, and archives, and a project for the library residency called Listening to the Library. And it builds upon my work in thinking about uh, recordings of poetry readings, uh, and also to think more about um, performances of really of literature as a more embodied experience and how we might think about where and how we hear that in the library. I recently co-edited a collection called Canlet Across Media, Unarchiving the Literary Event that I co-edited with Jason Camlot, and it was published by McGill-Queen's University Press in 2019. Uh, that idea of unarchiving that we talk about in that book has also influenced this library project because it's really about bringing recordings out into new publics and activating them in new ways. Nice, thank you. I can appreciate that it can be a challenge to talk about a research project while you're still immersed in it. Uh, but can you say a few words about how you plan to carry out your research in the library? Definitely. One of the challenges in particular has been that I've been listening to the library from a distance. So during our pandemic times, um, access to the library uh, has been very different from the usual kinds of access. So 
my project is still in its experimentation. And uh, one of the, the most experimental parts has really been thinking of how to listen to the library when not in the library itself. So a lot of my listening has been uh, from at home, uh, but that's been actually quite exciting to think about then how how students, how users and researchers of, of uh, using the library are also accessing the library from a distance. And um, you know, my project started out with thinking about how to make Audible the resources that are in the library. And so it's kind of an extra challenge to like make those resources audible from outside the library. And at the same time, I have been getting to really listen to some exciting things and discover some um, really interesting sounds as I've been going through my research and to also kind of experiment with the methods of doing that. Um, some of that experimentation has taken the form of short audio pieces. Other kinds of experimentation has been in writing some blog posts and also other kinds of experimentation has been diving into recordings that I might not usually listen to. I think when I first uh, read about your project, I was under the impression that you were only specifically listening to sounds, ambient sounds in the library. So I was really nicely surprised when I understood that you're also looking at sound recordings in the collection or audio files in the collection. So that's really great. So I, I think you've brought in uh, a few things for us to listen to. But before perhaps we start listening to some of these uh, interesting samples, perhaps you could talk about the sounds that you hope to find or or how that has changed because of the COVID-19 situation? Well, I, I did hope to listen to the library in its physical space. So uh, that that's changed in and of itself. But I think that then it's it's you know it's it's been a, a productive challenge in in trying to listen and explore collections from a distance. So the idea of listening to the library and thinking of almost like the shelves themselves as being these like animated sonic spaces uh, came out of uh, teaching the library. And I do literally think of it as like teaching the library as a space. Uh, when I was teaching as an LTA at Concordia, I taught the course Intro to Literary Studies quite a few times. And I thought, well, let's let's go into the library and, and look at it and think about it in more multisensory ways. And at the time, it just so happened that uh, the exhibit the library at night was happening and that uh, was based off of Alberto Manguel's book, uh, The Library at Night. And there was sort of this theatrical interest at that, at that time in the library as this space that sort of tra could transform and become something other than the library. So uh, with that in mind, uh, my class and I headed across and that, that was back in 2016. And that was the first sort of exercise in the library of thinking about it as a really a sonic space and a space where, you know, looking at a blank or rather an empty shelf, I said it blank is almost like a blank space on a page, but an empty shelf and thinking, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean emptiness or does it mean possibility? Uh, when we, the library was actually in the midst of its transformation at that time too. So thinking, what was the library going to transform into? How, how did users use the library? Was it a, a social space? Was it a quiet space? And so, this this idea of listening to the library really did start way back then uh, and then sort of combined with my interest in literary recordings. But this idea that the library could be um, a very um, animated space, but also a sonic space and a, really an embodied space. And that's something that I've tried to bring in to my listenings and also the way that I've thought about the listening. So that's why when thinking about how the, the recordings could be activated say, in a, in a short form, uh, which I've done as a, a 
a short piece called Shortcuts that I produced through the Spoken Web podcast that it, you'll hear you'll hear about in a moment. So, but thinking like recordings can be activated in that way. But uh, something that I'd like to eventually get to is in the visualization room or the visualization studio at the library, just to experiment with projecting on the screen, moving in that space, thinking about that space is almost like a workshop for thinking about fully embodied experience of sound. So I still want to use that those spaces in the library to, to think through that more. Uh, but it certainly made me reflect more on where I listen and how I listen and even thinking about the sounds of the library that I that I miss too. So uh, when I came in and I was able to listen to some of the tapes in the space of the library, uh, I actually recorded a sound of the elevators. Actually, maybe I'll play that for you as our first sound to listen to. We'll, we'll listen to the library. The clip that you're listening to now was recorded on March 19th, and you're about to hear me enter the elevators and then head down the sonic stairway. Now I'm walking towards the stairway and you're going to hear what's playing on this day in that stairwell. This is an audio stairwell that we have uh, set up at the entrance to the library. And it uh, is a chance for the library to play music or sound recordings or sometimes works of art as people make the transition into the library. So there you, you heard my footsteps heading down the stairs. I, w well, I was interested what it was like for you to hear that. Well, you know, I tend to think of libraries as a very quiet place, but it doesn't take long to realize that it can be kind of a busy place with ambient sounds in the background and, and uh, little bits of noise here and, here and there. You know, I think most people also think of it as quiet spaces, but they're actually very organic spaces. There are little, little lives and little uh, stories happening all around us. And I think by bringing in a recording device, you can pick up on these things that we we tend to tune out, uh, or at least some people tune out. Yeah, and thinking too, the, then, especially with the library being even more quiet, 
these days, going in to pick up a book from whether it's the contactless book pickup or getting to go up to interlibrary loans, uh, we really notice if, you know, if there is a voice speaking in the background, we'll, we'll perhaps notice it more. But uh, yeah, it was, it was actually a very welcome, a welcome sound to hear sound in the stairway uh, while, while entering and exiting the library. Well, I think our relationship to sound, it can vary from person to person. Like when I go to the library or when I was a student and I had to do research, I would look for the quietest spot and it was a moving spot because every day things would change. Um, I don't know, are you on a continuum of working in, do you prefer working in silence? Do you prefer having background noise? I do actually really like background noise, that, but it, it depends on the context because I, you know, I, I love working in cafes and I've, I've really missed not being able to do that. Uh, and, you know, I love the hum of the, the, the background noise in a cafe while working. Uh, at the same time, for especially for listening closely and carefully to a recording, you really do need silence, uh, especially like even a good set of headphones. You realize, oh, there's there's even more um, texture to the voice than you might have picked up on in a maybe in a noisier space. Been listening in more silent spaces these days, but uh, just missing missing a bit of the background noise and uh, um, you know sometimes maybe even recreating that with playing the radio in the background or something while while working. Well, in preparation for this conversation, I did a bit of research on ambient sounds in libraries. And apparently, if you do a, a search in uh, search engines like Google, ambient sounds in libraries, you can find that there, there is kind of a growing fascination for people taping ambient sounds of, of libraries, uh, pages turning, chairs squeaking, things like that. And, and they can go on for hours. I was really fascinated to learn about this. Yeah, and people missing the, having that background to work to. So yeah, being able to tune into the, the sort of the ambient sound and even to think then do different libraries, they, they would have different ambient soundscapes. You can, and even non, in non-COVID times, that might be something to you know, experiment with in, as background to, for work. Well, I think these recordings are a way to kind of bring the library to your own space as well, especially during COVID-19. Um, I can see on a table nearby that you brought in some goodies for us uh, to listen to. Yes. Would you like to talk about some of the items that you brought in? Yes. So there are quite a few sound objects, and I use that phrase uh, on purpose because one of the books that is in this collection is called Sound Objects. Uh, it's a book that is an edited collection um, by James Steintrager and Ray Chow about thinking about objects as sound objects and what it means to think of a sound, a sonic object. Um, so in addition to the book Sound Objects, there's a, a couple cassette tapes, there's a LP, there's a book that has a CD that comes with it. There's a poem that is about a recording. There is also a copy of Can Lit Across Media Unarchiving the Literary Event that I thought was an appropriate object to have as sort of a, a reminder of the unarchiving that's taking place in listening to these recordings. So I actually, I'd love to be able to play you a couple of these. Um, and the, the one that I'm going to start with is one that I had to actually listen to in the library because my tape recorder was broken at home. So it was uh, one of those the moments when uh, getting to come into the library and listen on a tape recorder. Uh, this is how I first heard this, uh, this recording, which I think was also very exciting because it was like finding something on a tape 
from the library, but also in the library, <laughs> which was listening to the library in the library. So um, before I play the tape, I will, or before I play the recording, um, the other thing that I'll say about it is that it connects to the poem that I also have displayed here, which is, so the poem's called Without Benefit of Tape, and it's by the Canadian poet Dorothy Livesey. This is a poem, again, to connect things back with teaching that um, I, in the course uh, English 378, which is a course on Canadian poetry, uh, I taught this poem without benefit of tape. And I realized when teaching the poem that this poem really expresses what it means to listen to poetry and the, 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 really, the idea in it that she says, you know, poetry is living speech this idea that like the poem expresses this 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 real animated quality of poetry um and i thought this was interesting because it is it is a poem on a page so the idea that i have this i have this poem here in the printed version saying you know the the living speech is shouted out and that that's on the page uh i have it as a, as a poem because that's the only way that i'd ever heard it or encountered the poem there i'd heard many recordings of lives you read but never had she read this poem but when I was listening in the library to this recording that was made by, uh, it's a recording made by the League of Canadian Poets that's called Modern Canadian Poets, a Recorded Archive. And it was one of the, the cassettes that I found in the, um, the catalog here at the Concordia Library. And I it was one of the first things that I requested. So yeah, let's, uh, let's take a listen. Yes. And there's a, even a sound to taking a cassette out of its box and putting it into a Walkman, I think. That's yes. what it is. <laughs> I know there's something about just that sound of opening, the, opening that case, putting it in. I think I've got it set up here for Dorothy Livesey to read the poem without benefit of tape. And I'd like you to imagine uh, listening to this, this recording of Livesey. I didn't, so this, this cassette, it doesn't list the poems that are going to be on it. So I had no idea that this was coming at the end and it was the, it's the last poem that she reads uh, in this reading. And um, I, the poem that I brought in or the, the printed version I've actually had up on my wall. So oh, nice. then to, uh, to hear the poem uh, uh, read out loud, it was, um, it was a really very inspiring moment of listening. So here she is. I'll end with a poem about poetry. I called it without benefit of tape because I felt uh, poetry is living even though it's not being recorded. It's living in this country, Canada. And, uh, but uh, John Robert Colombo didn't like the title at all and he's using it in some anthology and giving it the title of the poem. You can take your choice. The real poems are being written in outports, on backwoods farms, in passageways where pantries still exist, or where geraniums nail light to the window, while out of the window, boy in the flying field is pulled to heaven on the keel of a kite. Stories breed in the north. Men with snow in their mouths trample and shake at the bit, kneading the woman down under blankets of snow, icing her breath, her eyes. The living speech is shouted out by men and women leaving railway lines to trundle home, pack-sacked, just company for deer or bear. Hallooed across the counter, 
In a corner store, it booms upon the river's shore. On midnight roads where hikers flag you down, speech echoes from the canyon's wall, resonant, indubitable. Well, that was wonderful. It was so nice to hear the poet read her own poetry. And even the comments that she made before, it kind of adds a new dimension to the to the writing. It did. And when she mentioned that it had been published with a different title, I had no idea about that. And so that was something that I learned only only recently from, from hearing that. Also, too, uh, Dorothy Livesey is one of the poets that uh, read at what was the Sir George Williams poetry reading series that took place here at Concordia when Concordia was Sir George Williams. And that collection has been digitized and it was really the first audio collection that uh, started the Spoken Web Project, which is a project that I'm affiliated with as a researcher. Uh, it's um, a collection that is available online. And so uh, Livesey's reading is, a, is one that I've taught, but also I've selected some cuts from to feature as part of the shortcuts audio um, series that I produce for the Spoken Web podcast. And so Livesey, someone who I've, I've listened to a lot and, and thought a lot about her, her poetry out loud. And so to get to sort of discover this recording of Livesey reading without benefit of tape, which is a poem so much about can you record poetry or not, or does it just live in this, the living speech of the poem itself? Uh, it was really, really such a fascinating, uh, fascinating experience and something that um, I'm going to continue to think and reflect upon more too. Would it be safe to say that uh, the research that you're doing with the Listening in the Library project is kind of or will inform your teaching or vice versa? Will your teaching inform your research? Yes, it's, it certainly will. I think to the thinking just of this example that uh, if I were to be teaching this poem again without benefit of tape, uh, I, would, I would bring in this recording and we would think about what, you know, what does the, the opening introduction that she gave, how does that influence our listening to the, to the poem? Uh, but I'm not currently teaching. And so I, you know, I, I feel like I'm amassing more resources to be able to use when back in the classroom. One of the other objects that I brought in is it's not, I didn't bring it particularly for its, you know, for its content, but more for its representation of the fact that often you take a book out of the library and realize, oh, it has a CD in the back or, the, or you have to go to the desk and find, it might say like, go to the, you know, the, the circulation desk to access this, the disc that comes with it. Oh yeah, and this one says, check book for, for discs. So making sure not only to take it out, but also when you're returning it. So this book is called Sound Voice Perform. And uh, it's um, a, a book that's really more about sound art. There's, there's all kinds of photographs and there's all kinds of more experimental pieces in it in terms of the, the text. But there's also this disc at the back that, you know, is this invitation to listen to pieces. And this is something that, um, you know, what I, I've always interested when, when you get a disc that comes with a book, do people put it on first or do they read the book first or you know how do, it's it's this interesting moment when you have to kind of navigate okay am I going to read the book and then listen in appropriate moments or listen first or you know not even listen at all sometimes people will just sort of um, still read the book as the book and the 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 audio component becomes somehow secondary to it so that's something too that in thinking about the research that I'm doing uh, I'd really you know, like to have the audio integrated with it. So um, I think about this when, when writing about audio recordings of poetry readings, how to integrate that audio into 
the actual uh, research that you're creating. And I think that there's, there's more thinking now about how academic research could look and sound different when it's, when it's based around sound itself. So uh, I think that this, this sort of, again, the experiments in thinking through how to listen to the library has been sort of thinking, okay, how to, how to also listen and how, uh, how can the, the, the listening produce something that is still sonic based, rather sound based. It's, it's some, not something that then just becomes about reading, but the reading is, is, still, is still multidisciplinary. It's still engaging all the senses. I have to say that this has been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much, Catherine, for bringing in these materials and for sharing your research with us. Thank you so much, John, for having this conversation with me about the materials. Uh, I think that uh, talking about recordings is such an important part of listening. So thank you. Would you like to make a final selection to end uh, this conversation? Yes, it's a tough choice, but I'm going to choose a clip of poet Muriel Rukeyser, uh, the poet that I had mentioned earlier as sort of the one uh, creating connection across archives. It is a clip of her reading Elegy in Joy, and we're going to hear her just say that she's never quite read it like this before, but she wanted to read it this way tonight, and she was reading it in January 1969 here at Sir George Williams University, which is now Concordia. I just really love the last words, uh, the almost last words of the poem when she says, every elegy is the present. And that's something that really came across in her decision to end it, where she ends it in this reading, because in the actual poem itself, it goes on. But here we really hear those words and they ring out and um, they are resonant, indubitable, to quote Dorothy Livesey's Without Benefit of Tape. So here's Muriel Rukeyser to end off our listening. Here's one piece of a long poem. It's the last of a group called Elegies, which one hardly dares name anything anymore. It's called Elegy and Joy, and it's just the beginning piece. I wanted to do it tonight this way. I've never cut it up. Elegy and Joy. Now green, now burning, I make a way for peace. After the green and long beyond my lake, among these fields of people, on these illuminated hills, gold, burnt gold, spilled gold, and shadowed blue, the light of enormous flame, the flowing light of the sea, where all the lights and nights are reconciled, the sea at last, where all the waters lead and all the wars to this peace. For the sea does not lie like the death you imagine. The sea is the real sea, here it is. This is the living, this peace is the face of the world, a fierce angel who in one lifetime lives fighting a lifetime dying as we all die, becoming forever the continual God. Years of our time, this heart, the binding of the alone, bells of all loneliness, binding our lines and our music. Branches full of motion, each opening in its own flower, 
lines of all song, each speaking in its own voice. Praise in every grace among the old same war. Years of betrayal, million death breeding its weaknesses and hope buried more deep, more black than dream. Every elegy is the present, freedom eating our hearts, death and explosion, and the world unbegun. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info4 at concordia.ca or on social media at cu4thspace. We'd love to hear from you. The podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced by Anna Voklovec. Editing by Chloe Lalonde and Mackay Hawkrow. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstead. Our theme music is courtesy of Supercontinent. Thank you for listening.